0: in the book of Luke, we're going to be looking today at an interaction with Jesus where he actually calls one of his disciples, Matthew, to follow him. And so today we're going to turn to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to start reading in verse 27. It says this, After these things he went out, he meaning Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you call us and that you interact with us and that you meet us where we're at and that, Lord, we can have... Great faith in knowing that you love and care for us. I pray that today as we study your word, that you would just permeate every word and that the, the things of earth would fall away and the things of you would become very clear and that we might grow closer to you. We love you and we thank you in your name. Amen. So there are times in life when we have opportunities to step out in faith uh, in service to Jesus. They, they can be exciting and they can be scary. But, but we trust that, that he can guide us through and that we desire and, and we will desire to please him in those opportunities. At least that's the hope. There are few, if any, times that, that compare, however, to the first time that we hear him say, follow me. And this is one of those times for Levi when, he, when those two words had a profound impact coming from Jesus and and. It's such a different reaction than some of the things that we see here today, even in our own lives. But what a, an amazing opportunity that Levi has here to hear of G, uh, Jesus call him out. And so the first thing that we want to talk about is kind of who Levi was and, and why Jesus is talking to him. So verse 27 has a few things going on that, that really are important to address. Jesus sees a man named Levi, his Hebrew name, would be Levi. His Greek name would be Matthew. And so this is the same Matthew that we have the Gospel of Matthew. This is the same guy. Um, But Jesus sees this this Levi and and he interacts with him, which was already a big deal because of Levi's job within the community. Levi, as it says, was a tax collector. And tax collectors were not only not popular in Jewish culture, but they were actually despised. They were considered to be traitors. Um, to the Jews. If you can some translations will say that, that Levi was a publican, um, this is actually a, a poor translation. As a publican would be somebody who is actually um, hired by Rome to govern all of the taxes within a district. They would have been very wealthy, normally they were not Jewish men and they would have <clears throat> they actually would have had even military presence to, uh, to bolster what they were, trying to do in taking taxes from the people. They were actually very high up in the tax bracket. Now a tax collector, as opposed to a publican, was a man that would have been employed by a publican to go where he could not go, into Jewish culture, into the temple, into their neighborhoods, wherever it may be. Um, And so this person would have been hired by the publican to do the tax collecting. And now tax collectors they did the actual physical taking of monies (laughs) from the people and so so they were normally jewish men they were normally uh not wealthy and and they they would excuse me their income came from whatever extra money that they would take from people as they were collecting taxes so they could actually decide how much extra to take from people in the taxes And then they could pocket that money and that was a lot of their income right there they were viewed as traitors because of this as well as as the fact that they they worked for a a foreign oppressor the 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 empire of rome um against their brothers the jews and so they were working for the enemy essentially and so so tax collectors were not only just not popular they were quite frankly, despised by the Jewish people. And Levi was not going to be a popular man in their in their eyes. And, and whether that was warranted or not, whether he had sinned greatly against the people by taking too many taxes or not, he just wouldn't have been a popular person. And yet, <clears throat> as he so often did, Jesus sees him and has a bigger plan for him. So Jesus goes to this This sinner, this traitor, this mercenary for Rome. And he simply commands him, follow me. He says two words to the man and he says, follow me. And right there he's creating a bridge. Jesus has an amazing ability to go to the people who are not wealthy or popular, influential in any way, shape or form, and decide to use them for his glory and for his purpose and really to their ultimate benefit. Because when Jesus decides to use someone, it really is for their, their good. And so Jesus goes to Levi and he, he picks him out, just like He's gone to many of us. And He's picked us out and He said, follow me and, and we have nothing to give. And yet He somehow works in us and through us to do some amazing things. And it's no different for us today as it was when, when Levi was there. God uses the least imaginable person to do the most amazing things. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 26 to 29 say this, For you see your calling, brethren, that that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. use for his purposes that are purposefully not wise. They're purposefully not wealthy and influential. It's the opposite. He uses people that, that the world looks on and despises and thinks is really the worst. And he does that and he confounds the things of this world by doing that. And it's interesting because Levi was a strange choice for Jesus, but Jesus wanted him. And so what did Jesus do? He chose him and he said, follow me. And this is an interesting thing because we cannot glory in Jesus choosing us. We have nothing to glory in. It is just the fact that he has chosen us that is an amazing thing. And we can, we can take great comfort in that knowing that he loves us and cares for us and desires to be with us. But let's turn to this idea of following me. So not only has Jesus created a a bridge between him and a a sinner or a a traitor, if you will, uh, in the Jewish eyes, in the Jewish Pharisees' eyes, but he's he's also told this person to follow him. Jesus looks at Levi, tells him, follow me, and he doesn't say, get right and then follow he, he didn't tell him that he needed to do a laundry list of tasks before he could follow him. He didn't look at Levi and say, before you follow me, I need you to um, have this much money in your bank account, or I need you to dress a certain way, or I need you to talk a certain way, or I need you to do this or that. He just said, follow me. And there are times when we feel like we have to measure up to a certain expectation or goal before we should follow Christ or before we could even follow Christ. Oftentimes I hear people say things like, well, I'm too far gone for, for Christ to save me, for Jesus to forgive me. And it's because they think that there's a measuring stick that before they can even qualify for forgiveness, they have to live up to a certain standard. We want, we want to deal with certain sins in our own lives. We want to, we want to not have that blemish there and we want to have certain disciplines in place before we, we really commit to Him. Before we really take that dive and follow Him. And sometimes those requirements come from other believers around us. And sometimes they come from just our own heart and our own expectations of ourselves. But the truth is, is that that's not Jesus. That is not how Jesus views us. He doesn't look at us and think, You need to get to this point before I can come down to you. He meets us where we are at and immediately says, Just follow me, and we can deal with everything else. He looks at us, tells us to follow him. He can help us get get right. In fact, he's the only one that can help us get right. In our own power, we cannot measure up to his holiness. But with his help, he makes us righteous. Turn to Philippians, if you will. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7, says this But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the the resurrection from the dead." What we have gain, we count for loss. The things that we have to offer, we count them as rubbish because in light of all of those things, Jesus is far more powerful. He is far more holy. He is far more righteous than anything that we can conjure up in our own life. And so for me to expect to be able to make myself righteous in His eyes it's, it's, a, it's a fool's errand because there is no possible way for me to make myself more holy. Jesus makes me righteous. Jesus imparts His righteousness onto me. And therefore, I am made holy when I come under Him and when I follow Him and when I obey Him and when I, when I acknowledge His work in my life. Jesus wasn't looking for someone here who was already holy. As, as we're about to talk about. But someone who would follow Him and be changed by Him. And see, that's the thing. is Levi here is wanting to be changed. And we see that in the next verse. But it's, it's this attitude of come as you are, but do not stay where you are. You see, we move away from where we were when we follow Jesus. And so that's the same idea with Levi. He, he would not have... Ben, the religious leader's choice of followers, the Pharisees and the scribes, would not have chosen him as the follower. At least not until he quit his job and, and begged for forgiveness maybe, and maybe even paid back all the, all the money that he had taken. Things like that. Maybe then they would have accepted him. But Jesus tells him to follow, and Levi takes the opportunity. He gets up and he follows Jesus. More than that, he leaves everything, gets up, and follows Jesus. Let's, let's read that again in, in verse 28. It says this, after Jesus says, follow me. In verse 28, it says, so he left all, rose up, and followed him. We don't know if there was a conversation. We don't know if there was a back and forth a little bit. We have what the Bible says, and so we want to focus in on what the Bible says, and that is that Levi forsook all and followed Jesus. This is the same call that Jesus gives to us today, to follow Him. It may look a little different given our cultural context and maybe our modern world that we live in. So it may look a little bit different, but the idea is still the same. Jesus wants our whole life. He wants every bit of us. He wants us to follow Him with all that we have. And there's no such thing as a a part-time follower of Christ. There's no such thing as a person who is a, a Sunday morning Christian. Maybe you've heard that term. There's no such thing as that because we either follow him wholly or we aren't following him at all. There's, there's not a lot of gray, gray area. In fact, I would say that, that there's no gray area in this. We follow Christ and we, we forsake all to follow him and that's what we see Levi doing here. All is a very inclusive word. When it says that he left all, it means he left everything. Uh, all is all. It, it means all. And so just like Levi, we are to leave everything and follow Christ. And, and again, we don't know what kind of conversation they had, what kind of back and forth there may have been about discussion, but what we do know is at the end of the day, Matthew or Levi got up, left his tax office, and he followed Jesus. So Luke 14 26 says this. Luke 14 verse 26 says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who, see, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able to, with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Levi is a good example of a person who is willing to forsake all. Now this doesn't mean that you have to hate your mother and brothers and sisters and, and spouses and all these things. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that your passion, your pursuit of Jesus Christ consumes everything. And you still love those people in your life, sure. But you pursue Christ above all others. That His Word, His, His command, His call on you is far greater than theirs. And so this is where we see, and we must acknowledge that there is a cost to following Jesus Christ. And, and here is what it is. Forsaking everything is not an easy thing to do. It does cost us. And so we have to acknowledge that there is a cost to following Jesus. And it, that cost can seem very steep. It can seem even insurmountable and impossible to, to give up those things. And Levi was confident that Jesus offered a better solution than what his current life and trajectory was offering. And he followed Christ. And that led to ministry. And that's what happens with us as well. When we count the cost, when we consider who we are and who Jesus wants us to be, or who we are and what we think Jesus wants us to be, or what the calling is on our lives, we can start to clearly parse out whether or not it is worth following Jesus with everything that we have. And if it's not worth it, then that I encourage you, re- re-examine. Because when we look at Jesus Christ and the, the, the forgiveness of our sins, the love and the grace and the mercy that He shows us every day, it is far greater to lose everything and gain Him than to lose Him And lose everything. And so, we want to do that. And when we do that, again, it leads into this ministry attitude. And and in verse 29, we see that Levi responding in Jesus. And it's a way that's very common even today. People who have experienced the grace and the love of Jesus will often do a lot of sharing right, at, right as Jesus is new in their lives. They will share Him with the other people in their lives. And it's no different here. If we read in verse 29, it says, Then Levi gave him a great feast in his house. Then there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. He throws a party. Levi throws a party. And all of his friends and associates come to this party. And Jesus is in the middle of all of this. And he's enjoying the opportunity to minister to those in need. He's enjoying the opportunity to speak with different people who who need him. And and this is what Levi is providing as well. Levi is providing this opportunity for his friends to come and get to know Jesus because Jesus was the one that came and changed Levi's life so much. And and it's important to note that why it was so strange to see Jesus um, eating and drinking with people who are considered sinners. Because in verse uh, 30 it says, And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Uh, that can be kind of a strange thing, because to us either it's no big deal. We go we go and eat at, at restaurants all the time with people who are sinners or tax collectors or whatever it may be. We go all the time to do that. So it may seem strange to us, but culturally speaking for the Jews during Jesus' time, eating together implied a, a deep, intimate sharing. Um, an intimate sharing. As, as we eat, it's the idea of as we eat from, from the same food, from the same plate, it becomes part of me. And as my body assimilates that food... It also becomes part of you, because you're eating from the same food, the same dish. In a sense, then, we become part of each other. We, we join together, in a sense. This is why the religious leaders were so shocked and uh, scandalized that Jesus ate with the tax collectors and sinners, because in their minds... He was not only condoning their actions, but was becoming a part of their group. He was, be, he was assimilating into their group of, of sinners and heathens. But it's important to note, Jesus wasn't condoning their actions, but He was not afraid to minister to those who needed it. He was not, he was not backing away from any, any ministry that He was doing, he, but He also was not condoning the sin. This is an important note to make. Because in this moment, Jesus he wasn't lowering Himself to their level. He wasn't lowering Himself to the level of sinners. He was, he was not condoning their actions. Jesus does not condone our sinful actions. I'm going to say that again. Jesus does not condone our sinful actions, whatever they may be. He loves us in spite of them, but He does not want us to continue on in them, and it's important that we make that distinction because so many people desire to continue living on in their sin, um, and they say things like "Only God can judge me," and and uh, and this is a misconception of what Jesus is trying to do because Jesus loves us too much to to have us continue to wallow on in our sins. He desires no, no. He requires us to change. And so we look at how Jesus interacts in this moment, and it's, it's fascinating because He looks at them and He says to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. This, this change, this change that's expected, this, this turning from our sin it comes through repentance we are to repent of our sinful ways and turn to jesus who can heal us and make us righteous he can give us we can we talked about it earlier we he can impart to us his righteousness and that is what we are to do that is how we are to interact levi was available to jesus and the call that he gave He wasn't perfect. In fact, he was far from it. But he was available. He didn't have all the answers and degrees and scriptural studies. He wasn't a Pharisee. He wasn't a scribe. He was just a tax collector doing his job. But when Jesus came and said, follow me, Levi was available. When Jesus says, follow me, the question becomes then, will we be available? Will we be available to what Jesus desires from us when we are required to repent and turn from our sins. When He tells you to turn away from that sin, repent and be healed, are you going to listen? Am I going to listen? Because not all things are profitable for us to do. Not everything is okay. There are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. And so we have to be listening and to be listening, we have to be hearing and to be hearing That comes from the Word of God. And so we need to be reading. After counting the cost of following Him, is He worth losing every earthly desire, every earthly comfort, every earthly relationship? Is Jesus Christ worth losing all of these things to be able to glorify Him in life and in death and then in life everlasting? Is it worth it? Is the cost worth it? The truth is, is that Jesus wants you. He wants, it's his will that no man should go to hell or no man should perish. He wants us. He wants each and every one of us. And so he's saying to you, follow me. And the responsibility or the choice or whatever you want to say, we just need to get up and we need to follow him. We need to forsake every earthly desire, every earthly lust, every earthly fleshly hope and desire, and we need to turn to Jesus and follow Him. And that, that will provide discipleship, it will provide opportunity to minister, but it will also provide an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work in and through you in whole new ways. And that's what Levi was available for. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You so much for today. I thank You that You are good to us and that you that you come after us and you choose us and you say follow me Lord I pray that every day we would wake up and we would have that desire to follow you closely and Lord that we would chase after you and that you would lead us and Lord we know that you can lead us well and so we just ask that we would be willing to hear it that we would be willing to listen Lord, we thank you so much for all that you do in our lives, and we ask that you would just continually make us holy and make us new. In your name, amen.